Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And good morning, Birds fans. We are counting down the weeks, nay, the days to the opening of Eagles training camp. It should be fun these uh, next couple of weeks to, before we actually get to football. You got your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McMullen, ready to talk Eagles football with you today, tomorrow, the day after, every single day for the next 16 days before we get to Eagles training camp. Johnny Mac, how was your weekend? Uh, I was good. Tone was asking me uneventful, so that's uh, that's always good. At uh, you know, if it's laid back, I'm happy. Can uneventful ab- can absolutely be a positive, uh, and I will say the same here at the McDonald household. Did I mention this on Friday that the missus had COVID? You did. I did. How's she doing? Uh, better. She had an infusion monochloride something 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 i don't i should know these things but i don't uh but you call the doctor and they said we can get you in for this uh, infusion you go and they uh, put this that helps you uh like tamp down the effects of covid doesn't cure it or anything but it just lessens uh what, what you ha- suffer from when you do have it and she got it and she felt much better right away and uh we're still keeping our distance here in the mcdonald household but I haven't gotten it yet. I feel fine, which uh, I've yeah. been able to dodge the bullet. I've been crossing my fingers for years now. And how I'm many like, times again? Uh, I know we're repetitious here, yeah. but how, I was thinking about times, that. I, how many I, times I, you think you've been tested? I was thinking I probably overestimated. We were talking about that Friday. I was thinking about it. I said I'm I'm at about I'm probably right about the hundred mark, a hundred tests maybe a little bit over maybe a little bit under but when you when you asked me right away i was like ah oh, it's got to be it's got to be over 200 then i started doing the math 
it just seems like over 200. So I think I'm more in the, the 90, 95 to 105 okay. range as I kind of knocked it knocked it out. I thought about it too long, Jody, to be honest. Fair enough. But you said at one point there was a period of time when you had to test every day. Yeah. We're close exactly. to it. Well, yeah. that'll add up pretty damn quick. Well, then that was the first, the the, the big first year of COVID where I, I had to get tested every day of camp, every single day, no matter if the players had the day off, didn't, weren't practicing, I had to go down there and get tested every single day. So that was the vast majority of it um, early on. Then it then it got scaled back to to once a week, Um and 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 it was that way for a long time. Um, so quite a few, but quite a few. When was the last time you were tested? When the NFL declared COVID over. I mean, that was uh, I forget the date, but they said they just put their hands up and said, you know what, screw this, and uh, all of a sudden, now we 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 all have to be vaccinated, had to have the booster, had to have the proof of all that um, to be around the players, but. Um, when, when they said no more testing, basically there was no more testing no more for us testing. either. And yeah. you haven't had to, which, uh, let's say you've been tested 100 times. That means you've been tested 100 more times to me. And I, uh, my, my wife at one point on the weekend did say, you know, you really should take a test just to be sure. I said, no, uh, I you feel see, I'm fine. With you, Jody. Can I say, you know, for somebody who's been tested as much as I, it creates panic in people. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're not feeling well, by right. all means, go get tested. But if you're feeling fine, I, you know, I, you say, Jody, that have I had it? To my knowledge, no. I might have had it. Some people have it and don't have symptoms. Um, and you know what? If you don't have symptoms and you had it, go along with your merry life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that, 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 that. Too much panic out there. That's and, how, that's what I advise people. And if I had to go out and and be around other people, that well, then I test myself. But since my wife tested positive last Friday, I haven't got anywhere. I haven't even left the damn house. Well, I, the unfortunate I went and part dropped is, off a book at the library. That's yeah. the extent of my leaving the house for the last three days. So I don't need to test. I feel fine. I'm not going to test. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my my weekend was a weekend of inactivity, except for watching sports on TV. Uh, Philly stuff, which, oh, by the way, COVID be a big story with them the next 24 to 48 hours because they got to go across the border into Canada. It's going to be a bunch of Phillies who are not vaccinated, who aren't going to be able to play. Nah. Yeah, I'll be talking about it on WIP nah. the next two nights. Um, a lot of golf. I watched the Scottish Open. We got the, the, the Open, British Open, coming up this week, which should be fun. No football. And I'm starting to get the thirst for hunger for it. Uh, no USF. Oh man, no USF football. What did I do this weekend? Uh, I found other sports to watch, but I also starting last night after I finished up with my CBS show and this morning prepping for uh, Birds 365 here, read a lot of football. Didn't watch any, but I read a lot of football. Three of my favorite uh, football columns and two of my favorite football columnists. Because one guy didn't actually write a column, but it was a very interesting column to read. Starting with. John McMullen on Jacob Sports. Uh, you're now going position by position, giving a little camp preview at each of the positions. You started on Friday and then Saturday and Sunday as well. You've hit the skill positions, quarterback first, followed by running back, wide receiver yesterday. Which was the hardest one to write? 
Which one did you? All right. I know exactly what I'm writing about this. I don't have to have any research next to me. I know exactly what I'm going to say about each of the position. Which one did you have to put more time and effort into and why? Oh, that's a good question. Not not many because I know this team backwards and forwards. Um, I didn't say you had to put a lot of work in, but I'm sure uh, you put more work no, in as far as, than the other. As far as as far as think, I guess receiver. Um, just because there's so many bodies and there's so much uncertainty behind the starters, so to speak. Uh, and by starters, I, I mean the top three. And even with the third receiver, we've kind of talked about it with Quez Watkins versus Zach Pascal. I think that's going to be more Zach Pascal than people realize for a number of reasons. And one is positive because I think the Eagles are going to be pretty good and they're going to be leading in the fourth quarter a bunch. And they're going to try to run the football. And when they try to run the football, you're going to see more Zach Pascal in 11 personnel than Quez Watkins. And vice versa, which... You know, I know people get excited about fantasy numbers, but maybe that's not what you want. Because if you if you want to throw the ball, if you need to throw the ball, what's the logical conclusion there, Jody? You're probably behind. <laughs> so you probably don't want to see as much Quez Watkins as you think you want to see as a fan. And then behind those three guys, there's just, you know, who's it going to be? Uh, four guys, I mean. Add Zach Pascal in the mix. You know those four guys are locked in. Jalen Rager, is he going to be here? I, I, you know, we talked about that a little bit Friday. Um, I'd like to see the Eagles move on for both their purposes and to be honest, Jalen Rager, because I think he needs the change of scenery. I think he's a change of scenery player. If he's here, he's going to be on the team. I don't think they're going to cut him. Um, and some people have speculated they might cut him. I, I'm still in the camp that they're probably not going to cut him, Jody. But if he's not here for whatever reason, okay, who's that fifth receiver? Is it going to be your guy, Greg Ward? Is it going to be one of the young guys? You know, the 16-man practice squad comes into it because you can get guys through waivers and put them and do it that way. So it's kind of interesting, the back end of the depth chart at wide receivers. So that probably is the more difficult one to forecast. And I was pleasantly surprised to see you say, if I had to pick one, it would be Greg Ward, which yeah. I didn't. I, I know I would go Greg Ward since I'm the head of the Greg Ward fan club, uh, but I didn't know Johnny Mack was going to go there. And truth be told, just evaluating, not giving uh, my own personal opinion. Yeah, I think Greg Ward's dead in the water. I don't think he's going to make this football team unless he's willing to go through and stay on the practice squad. Cause as you mentioned, you can get veteran guys through to the practice squad. They've still got the COVID rule. See, that's what's funny about the national football league. Uh, as you correctly point out, the NFL just waved its magic wand and COVID was gone, <laughs> at least in their eyes. Oh, except if it gives us reason to have flex flexible rules that we think are advantageous, then we'll take those COVID rules that we adopted. Just leave them right there. And not worry about them. And the, the veterans on the practice squad is one of them. And it may keep uh, Greg Ward at least on the Eagle, in the Eagles organization, yeah. if not on the well, Eagles. Well, see, I kind of looked at it the other way. Like, you know, there's there's a bunch of young receivers. You know, people are going to get excited if, when Devin Allen shows up because he's going to run by somebody in training camp and catch the football. And he's an Olympic hurdler. And, and, and Britton Covey's this – small really quick 
um, you know, was a good player in college at Utah, undrafted kid. Maybe he can factor in as a as a punt returner. And then you got the Deion Keynes and the Josh Hammonds of the world and the John Hightower still here. You know, some of these names fans aren't even going to recognize. My point with those guys, you can get them all on the practice squad. You can get them all through waivers. So you don't have to worry about um, uh, getting anybody through waivers. And, you know, maybe Devin Allen because of his backstory and somebody wants a kick returner. Maybe you have to consider that. But, boy, we got to see that he hasn't played football in six years. And he's still running track. So we got to see what what he is at all. Um before you start worrying about losing people on waivers, but they're going to be able to get any of those young receivers from my perspective through waivers. And my whole thing with Greg Ward, man, now maybe you don't need as much because Zach Pascal is here, but the guy does the job the right way. And, you know, he's a veteran now uh, and, and he's a leader and, and the guys respect him. And he just shows the younger players that I talked about how to be professional and I think that kind of thing is underrated, especially when you talk about the back end of the roster. Plus, he helps you on special teams. He's sort of the stopgap returner and that kind of thing. So, you know, he's got a lot of positives for a back end of the roster player. Yeah, but – and now I'm, I can't believe I'm arguing against Greg <laughs> Ward. Um, the, the, the guys who are going to be on Eagles roster playing game day guys, and I get it, they'll have these – young, inexperienced, coming back to football uh, type guys on the practice squad. With Does, Do they really need him for that? Do they need him to be that influential guy, that mentorish type guy? I mean, uh, if, it, if, if, if it's not him, it's got to be Zach Paschal. So that's why I say maybe, maybe Zach Paschal, I don't know Zach well enough yet. Maybe, but that's what Nick Sirianni talks about him. So, so AJ Brown, four years into his career, is yeah. I mean, he's still that. really young. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, same thing with Devontae Smith. You know, maybe those guys are so good, and I'm not even talking about them to be honest, AJ and Devontae, because they are so good. Uh, but I'm talking about the younger guys, like as I mentioned, the Kobe's of the world, the Devin Allens and anybody else, Josh Hammond, anybody, John Hightower, Deion Kane, anybody else who catches your eye in training camp. I mean, you know, it's hard for players like that to look at AJ Brown and say, I, I can be like AJ Brown. Cause they can't be like AJ Brown. They don't have that talent. They can't be like Devontae Smith because they don't have that talent, but you can do it the right way and become a better player. And that's where I think like people like Zach Pascal and Greg Ward can be good examples for younger receivers. I just think it's one of those intangibles that when you're weighing something at the back end of the roster and saying, let's be honest, if the Eagles are down to their fifth receiver and Jalen Rager's not here from a talent perspective, they're up against it. I mean, they don't have a ton of depth. So as we talk about how good they are with AJ and Devontae, they still don't have a lot of depth. Um, and, you know, as we get closer to training camp, that's going to be a theme. When you start talking about all the high expectations and you start saying, well, how can things go in a negative direction? You point directly to the depth. because And wide receiver might be the best example of this, Jody, for this reason. Before A.J. Brown got here, we were talking about incredible need, right? They got to take a receiver again in the first oh, round. Oh, yeah. 
bottom five positional group in the league. A.J. Brown shows up, they're top five, according to Pro Football Focus. That's what one player, that's what the right player can do. Every All the pieces fit into place then. Devontae Smith is a wide receiver one. I think ultimately he's going to be there, be that in this league. But as a second-year player, still learning, maybe you're pushing him a little bit quickly to that role. Now he fits in as the so-called wide receiver two. He's great. Top five in the league, wide receiver two, easily. Um, Quez Watkins as a wide receiver two? Uh-uh. What, no part of it. Wide receiver three? That's that's okay. I have no issues with that whatsoever. So that's sort of the domino. Yep. And I remember way back in the day, and I tell the story all the time, when Jordy Nelson was at the top of his career. And the Packers, you know, is the Packers are always the Packers when it comes to the passing game. But he was an all-pro level receiver, and then he tore his ACL. And all of a sudden, Randall Cobb, who was, you know, great number two receiver, great slot receiver. I forget who the number two receiver is. But anyway, it wasn't the same because maybe it was James Jones. He had to kick up to the wide receiver one. Nuh-uh. I can't do it. You know, Randall Cobb is a slot receiver. Put him outside. Uh-uh. Now, they were still good because of who's throwing the football, but it wasn't the same. And, you know, we don't want to talk about injuries, but if somebody gets hurt, all of a sudden, people are in roles they're not suited for. And that's how quickly things can change at one particular position. And when we talk about injuries, you're right. Uh, uh, A.J. Brown goes down. Uh, it could be devastating for the Eagles because now you're back to the same exact grouping you had last year, which wasn't quite good enough. But remember this. You say the same thing about all the other teams. What happens if uh, uh, Mr. Lamb goes down in Dallas? Oh, the Cowboys are screwed. They're putting a lot of chips in uh, C.J. Lamb's basket this year. So injuries uh, are something you can't control. You can't predict, yeah. Except the Eagles do because they practice less. So they actually do control their injuries. And we'll see how that works out. Um, But you can't control anything like that. Uh, So I appreciated your wide receiver, your running back. We talk enough about the quarterback. We'll probably talk about the quarterback again today. We'll do so with our two good guests. Got two good guys joining us. Our bud, uh, Paul Damo from 33rdteam.com and jacobsports.com will be up on a board in less than five minutes. And a little bit later, Russell Baxter, who I've only had on as a guest for the last 30 plus years on my radio show. He came on with us last year here on Birds 365. He's going to make a uh, Russell Baxter appearance in our number two today. Russell is a must follow on Twitter because he is the king of the sports nuggets, the football nuggets, yeah. the little pieces of information. Had a little Seth Joyner love today. 59 days to the opener. He gave there a little you go. Seth Joyner love. He, Russell's always counting it down and he attaches it to a player and an Eagle guy. Not a bad move by him. Maybe a, yeah, well, I asked him to come on the show. Well, I think it was Saturday. So, well, yeah, he might have been well, in an Eagle couple, mood already. He did a couple players. He did Jack Ham. He did Luke Keekley. He did, uh, and but Seth was in the group. So. Seth was in the group. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. All right. So, Russell Baxter a little bit later. But first up, our buddy, the Hall of Fame voter here for Philadelphia, Paul Domwich, joins us next here on Birds 365.
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! <laughs> She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate your streaming in with us here on Birds 365, McMullen, McDonald, and Paul Domwich, Hall of Fame voter from here in Philadelphia, writer for the 33rd team, and us here on jacobsports.com. Domo, how's your summer going? Going well. How about you guys? Uh, doing well, Domo. Yeah, yeah, it's creeping up on us. Do, do you ever do the math of how long you've been covering this league and how many training camps you've been doing? Because I try to figure it I should keep a tally, but I always got to think about it. Do you know right off the top of your head how many you've been doing? Uh, geez. Well, first one probably was, uh, I guess, 83. Um, so whatever that is, it's higher than, <laughs> higher than I can count at my age, John. Yeah. Speaking up on 40, Damo, that's yeah. a lot of camps. <laughs> I, I never like to break out math on people. But you know that's what pro sports has become, right? Math. So yeah. everything's uh, everything's analytics. So yeah. That's for sure. But yeah, you got me beat. So I'm in the. I got to think about eight, uh, 94. So I got to think about it. But uh, <laughs> too many, too many. That's for sure. All right, Dama. Uh, Johnny just uh, ran down his previews of the Eagles. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We talked about wide receiver in the uh, first segment. The Eagles add A.J. Brown, and it upgrades their wide receiver core. Domino effect. 
Smith becomes a two rather than a one. Damn, he's good. Quez Watkins becomes a three rather than a two. Damn, he's good. But then there's the drop off and the whole Jalen Rager. Will he uh, step up and earn a spot on the team? Will Eagles give him a spot on the team? What do you think of the Eagles wide receivers coming into this year? Well, I mean, you know, Watkins, I still kind of view as a gimmick guy. I mean, he's not going to have a lot of volume. Uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to be a deep threat when they forget about him, uh, you know, because he's got this, the vertical speed. You know, I mean, I'm the only guy in America that likes Greg Ward. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's not. Like, I got Johnny. him on the team, and Jody loves him. Jody's the captain of the Greg Ward fan club. There you go. Well, I mean, I, I still think this guy can play. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, him and Pascal, I guess, are competing against each other if you're looking for that. Uh, I don't know, like his odds if he's competing against Zach uh, because yeah. Nick loves Zach. Oh, yeah, well, that's the problem. He clearly doesn't like Ward because of the – I mean, you saw that last year, how little Ward played. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they're probably only going to keep five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, with those, you know, if those first three stay healthy, uh, you know, you gotta like it. Uh, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the AJ Brown acquisition, only because that's a lot of money to spend on a wide receiver. I mean, wide receiver yeah, salaries, wide receiver salaries have just gone through the roof the last two years. And and the weird part is, you know, I understand why quarterbacks are are valued. You know, we're they're starting to pay wide receivers this crazy money even though every year six of them are, are drafted in the first round of the draft so yeah. there's clearly no shortage but i understand howie's uh, dilemma he's been guessing wrong too often in the draft <laughs> on the receivers so he figured well this way we got a guy who's proven if we have to overpay him we have to overpay him i mean there's not a lot i think i haven't looked at the contract real close but i mean i the guaranteed money isn't horrible so, you know, it's not a disaster if in two years they decide to part ways or three years. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, how, so, how, how is generally good with the contract part of it to, to the fact you can get out of it, as you mentioned, yeah. two years without too much. I mean, it's never good if you if you get it wrong on the player. What interests me, though, Damo, is if you go back before um, they got AJ, remember, they tried to trade for Calvin Ridley and that wasn't their fault and that got derailed for mm -hmm. you know the betting app reasons and then it was Allen robinson well it was christian kirk and they got eagles rightfully bowed out of that i mean that was absurd how much he got from jacksonville Allen robinson robert woods they were trying to get this receiver and they weren't able to do it kind of over four and we were going into the draft and you know remember they had three first round picks to start before they moved with New Orleans, and we're like, oh, they're going to take a receiver again in the first round. Um, it, if you remember, Howie at the time said, we don't want to be like everybody else. We don't want to be, we don't want to pay these salaries of wide receiver. Essentially, you know, if everybody's zigging, we want to zag. We want to be the smart ones, not overpay for the receivers. Then they go in the draft. Now he goes rogue. He doesn't tell anybody. He trades for AJ Brown. He gives him a hundred million dollar extension. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a great player, but the, did the Eagles panic a little bit? Do you think? I think a little bit. Um, uh, and they clearly want to get Jalen as many weapons as possible. I mean, adding Brown 
he's got no excuses this year. I mean, Jalen Hurts is on the clock. Uh, there's no, you know, uh, he's, he's got enough starts right now that you can't say he's not experienced enough. He's in the offense for the second year in a row, uh, in the same offense for the second year in a row. And now he's got a, a, a plethora of, of pass catching uh, options, not only a wide receiver, but, you know, Goddard, uh, Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. I mean, it's just, there is no excuse this year for, for Jalen and, and an offensive line in front of him that may be the best in the league. So assuming everybody stays healthy, there's no excuse for him not having a 65% completion percentage. There's no excuse for him not being one of the top. I mean, if, if he doesn't put up eye-popping numbers with this group, uh, there'll be another quarterback drafted next year. Damo, the biggest move the Eagles made during the offseason was uh, A.J. Brown, and there are a lot of ways that you can determine which is the biggest move, projected impact, salary. It's usually a pretty damn good indicator. Uh, but how he had uh, a very good offseason, at least uh, my opinion, John's opinion. I'm, I'm, we've had you on enough. I can, I think, also speak for you, your opinion as well. Had a really good offseason. And he upgraded the defense significantly if uh, – Brown isn't the number one move. Hassan Reddick is, again, projection and, and salary being a big indicator. Uh, two huge additions in the draft, um, bringing in an upgraded cornerback. I'm a Stephen Nelson guy, but Bradbury's better. Uh, swapping out uh, a couple linebackers as well, bringing in Kazir White. This has got a chance to be a real nice defense, an upgraded defense, and one that Jonathan Gannon should be able to push whatever buttons he wants to but then they got to keep it together. They've only got three guys who are on the quote unquote, in the quote unquote starting rotation who have contracts passed this year, the two rookies and Darius Slay. Everybody else is on the final year of their contract, both your DTs, your uh, defensive ends with BG and uh, Derek Barnett, which I won't shed a tear when he finally is an ex-Eagle. Uh, both safeties. You get my drift here. They got a lot of guys whose contracts end at the end of 2022. How busy is Howie Roseman going to have to be during the season evaluating, all right, who are we prioritizing here? Who do we want to give contract extensions to? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be something, you know, I think we'll probably see several extensions in November, uh, late October. But there are other guys that aren't getting new deals that they're, they're just going to, I mean, BG, BG wants to be here to finish his career, so they'll get that. You know, if he ends up having a good year and and, and still has one more year left in him, they'll work it out. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I mean, he's not going to get another extension. He's not going to get another new contract. Um, the other guys, sure. I mean, they're going to be evaluating them and, and and deciding, you know, who they can go forward with, who can, who can be with this team and be productive for the next uh, two, three, four years. You talk about Fletcher. What does that contract tell you, Damo? I mean, the Eagles kind of reset it because they over-leveraged that thing. I don't know how many mm -hmm. times they, they redid it. Uh, I think they set a record for redoing this contract. And all of a sudden, it got to be too overbearing. And, and they they take the medicine. They took a lot of dead money. But they also gave him $14 million to come back. And that's a lot of money. Um, yeah on the Jason Kelsey plan. So he's year to year now, so to speak. But that tells me they still think he's a good player. 14 million. Jody's talking about the money tells you things. 
14 million tells me the Eagles still think Fletcher Cox, Cox is a good player. Is is there some Fletcher versus Jabon who's ever better will go moving forward? I think a lot of people default to Javon Hargrave. I'm not sure I, I would just default to that. I think if Fletcher performs better, they might keep Fletcher and move on from Javon. Am I nuts with that? Well, Javon's – what's the age difference? Uh, Javon's- 29. Javon's 29, going to be 30. Fletcher's 32. Yeah. Yeah, I just – you know, I've watched – Fletcher the last couple of years and he hasn't been the same player since what 2018 when he was the you know when he was probably the second best defensive tackle in the league I don't know why uh sometimes it was injuries but you know I he's got excellent work ethic uh but it just hasn't been the same player he he uh, he gets frustrated when they double and triple team him uh you know, other you know, Aaron Donald does not uh, like quit when. Or, well, or I'm not comparing them to Aaron, but I don't yeah, compare anybody there. Yeah. But when he was in 2018, no, he was, but he he was, was yeah, sure. So yeah, uh, I just don't know that we're ever going to see that that uh, Fletcher Cox again. You know, and and again, the thing here is the salary cap's going up 25 mil every year for the next several years. So money is no object any, anymore. Fletcher Cox has a solid year. They'll find a way to keep him. Uh, I guess they're just not going to give him a, a you know, multi, they're not going to give him the kinds of extensions he's yeah, been yeah. giving. Uh, so I mean, we'll see. I I just don't think he's going to be that kind of player ever again. Damo Fletcher Cox did not make many offseason lists, as in top ten at their positions. We're wrapping up the season of lists and rankings and the like, because they're actually going to get out there on the field and play some football. Won't that be nice? Um, but a lot of Eagles didn't make top 10 list, top five lists. If you stretch it to 10, a lot of them individually were not that highly ranked across the National Football League. Now, you've been going in the locker rooms for, as we established earlier here on the show, several years. So I've been doing it for a long time. I haven't been able to do it as much since COVID hit, but... Do the play? How serious do the players take this stuff? The media's opinion on where they rank and the like. I know for a fact, Madden numbers get them all excited and worked up and ticked off and the like. Yeah. But oh. a, any of these other ones, uh, does the old chip on the shoulder thing actually work? Do players go, "Oh yeah, I'll show you. You're not gonna put me," and go out and actually up their game because they feel they're being disrespected by media? Well, they do get upset and they do feel disrespected if they're not as ranked as high as, as they, they feel. And usually almost uh, always, in fact, uh, they're always not ranked higher, as high as they feel they, they should be. Whether it helps them, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's every player tries to, in, in football, in any sport, you, it looks for that motivation, that, you know, that reason to, to take it to the next level, to work harder. Uh, so, you know, it works. Um, not as much as having talent, and but uh, so I, I, you know, I think that you know, a lot of these guys will have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they weren't totally uh, ignored in the po- you know, in the offseason. I mean, their offensive line is, is rated one of the top four or five in the league by yeah. most people, including PFF. Uh, I was surprised, 
I think it was PFF that ranked their two corners like the third best in the league, third or fourth best duo in the league in yeah. Slay and uh, Bradbury. I wouldn't have gone that high. Uh, I, they're certainly better than they were with the addition of Bradbury, but, uh, uh, you know, they've they've improved their linebacking core. Um, I mean, they've improved a lot of places. Goddard's one of the top tight ends. I think he was in the second tier in PFF uh, <laughs> rankings. So, they weren't they weren't Rodney Dangerfield here. I mean, they got their. Uh, I'm, I'm sure guys like Fletcher felt disrespected, but yeah. you know, go on the field and prove it, and then we'll talk. Well, uh, Slay is a perfect example of this because, as you mentioned, Damo, you know, Pro Football Focus has them, you know, top five cornerback group as a whole, right. and. You know, but Madden ranking, he didn't get uh, a, a good enough Madden rating, evidently. And I think it was ESPN, I think, did a top 10 list recently. And he wasn't on that. And he got very upset by that. Well, not, yeah, you know, he's on social media, you know, talking about it. Um, so I think it depends on, on the player and how they get the motivation. Like Slay doesn't seem to get the motivation from, people who tell him he's good he seems to get the motivation from people who tell him he isn't as good as he thinks he is um at the end of the day does any of that matter uh, when you have good players and and i'm not talking about the as you mentioned you know guys like fletcher who were once at the top that's the reality of the nfl everything's fluid you yeah. have ascending players descending players but when you're at the top of your game, it's about the talent, right? Not about the Madden rating. <laughs> Who cares? No, 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 it isn't. And, you know, ultimately, these guys have to go out there and play and prove that every year where they are. I mean, this, yeah. this, in this league particularly, it's, 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 you know, things change from year to year. Um, so you, Really you know, quickly, too, at yeah, times. Exactly. Really quickly. Both individually and team-wise. I mean, yeah. you know, we see every year half half the teams that make the playoffs don't make it the next year, uh, largely because a lot of the guys we were talking about uh, don't play as well for some teams, and the, and guys come out of nowhere for other teams and and excel the following year. So it's a, you know, that, that's what makes this. That's what makes the NFL, you know, so so popular. All right, Damo, I got a question for you. Who's Tom Radoski? <laughs> Do you know who he is? Uh, yeah, he works for the 33rd team. Yeah, he does. And that's why I'm asking the question. Uh, because I wanted to see if you had a article that you just wrote. And I was going to follow up on it. Um, he did one on the uh, 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 site today. Um, players entering contract years in for a big payday. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Rob Havenstein, Rams right tackle. Okay, young guy. All right, figure that. Don't know if he's going to get the biggest payday, but a young guy. All right, fine. Jonathan Jones, Patriots, nickel. All right, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I can at least see. Daniel Jones, Giants no. quarterback. A Jody Mac favorite, baby. And, and this individual, Tom Radowski, used to work for the Giants. Is he shit me? Really? Does he believe that? He put it down. He typed it out and put it up on a website. Daniel Jones in for a big payday? What? You got to get this. You got to shoot him a text afterwards and go, J 
Jody McDonald just ripped the snot out of you on Sports 365. Did you really mean Daniel Jones, or is that a typo? Now it's two paragraphs long. I can't think it's a typo if he went on for two paragraphs. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Daniel Jones is the in for a big payday this offseason. I just saw another story, though, on, on our website. I can't remember who wrote it that had uh, the best moves for each team. And the best move for the Giants was not giving him a, a, a signing. Uh, there you go. It's just one person's opinion. I'll go back and read him again. Yeah. Tom Radowski's not getting me again. I'm not going back <laughs> to him again. Everybody's got their opinion, Jody. Right. Uh, and I know. have mine. And this guy has no bleeding idea what the hell he's talking about if he thinks Daniel Jones <laughs> is in for a big payday next. Uh, yeah, it's unlikely, but it is interesting. The quarterback position, uh, we'll get to Jalen Hurts, obviously, because he might be in for a big payday after this season. And that's sort of the underlying theme of this season. If you look at how the Eagles do business, Dama, Jody and I have talked about this a lot. In theory, they got another year with Jalen Hurts as, right. as, you know, he's got a four-year rookie deal. But this doesn't strike me as the team that's going to go into the 2023 season with a lame duck at quarterback. That's just not the way they do business. Some teams don't care. They'll do it. They don't. But the Eagles, they identify players they want early. And you'll see it this year, whether it's, you know, Marcus Epps starts playing well. They're going to they're going to lock him up, as you said, November or somewhere. TJ starts playing well. They're going to lock him up. Um, that's the way they do business historically. Um, if they don't lock up Jalen Hurts after next season, he's not eligible during this season. Does that essentially tell us that they don't believe in him? Now, they might not be able to get an upgrade because you can't just say, oh, we need a quarterback. We'll go get a quarterback. But if they don't talk about extending him, does that tell us all we need to know? Well, I mean, let's also consider Jalen's got some say in this. If he has yeah. a good yeah. year, you know, he's different than most of the young quarterbacks because he was not a first round pick, which yeah. means he doesn't have a fifth year option. So they have to make a decision. You know, they can't, you know, a lot of these guys you could just, I mean, right now because of the, the uh, Deshaun Watson contract, it's, it's kind of a hairy market for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm with the fully guaranteed deal that he got with the obscene money he got, you know, uh, some of these other guys like Justin Herbert and uh, Joey uh, Burrow are going to be looking for that kind of money, uh, that kind of guarantee. And uh, we're going to see what happens. I mean, that's what everybody's waiting to find out. Jalen's not in that category right now, but let's say he has a, let's say he has a pro bowl, type year. Let's say he throws for 40 touchdowns with this group uh, and runs for a thousand yards. Well, then he's getting paid. <laughs> yeah. But, but he might not want to, he might say, you know what, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to leave my chips on the table and uh, let's wait a year and see what happens. Now he might, you know, they might, his advisors might say, yeah, he also might get hurt. Uh, yeah. That might not be the way to go, but yeah, I'm sure the, if, if he has a good year, the Eagles are going to want to sign him. I don't yeah. think there'll be. And, and we'll know, by the way, Tom, that's my point. We'll know if the Eagles are working on an extension. Maybe Jalen, as you said, wants a bet on himself. There are yeah. two, you know, uh, the two ways to go, the players involved as well. Um, but you'll know if the Eagles are working on it. 
and 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 you'll know if they're not. And my point, I guess, my point is, if they're not, yeah. that's not a good sign. Uh, if they're You're not right. able yeah. to upgrade the quarterback position, I mean, this is the move that's going to determine what happens with the Eagles for the next several years because he plays well, and and they believe he's the future. You know, they've got all those picks that they don't need to worry about using on a quarterback. Um, if we get to January and, and Jalen's not the answer because he didn't play all that well this year with all of these receivers in this offensive line or he gets hurt, getting hurt is, is really going to throw a well, – because yeah. then they wouldn't be able to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, we you know, would be back to kind of like, well, what do we do now? Uh, but, but, I mean, if he plays well, life is going to be looking good for these guys. All right, Tom, I know you were just spitballing there, but – between you and I, 40 touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. I'll take the under. 1,000 yards <laughs> rushing for Jalen Hurts. I'll take the under. Uh, but I, I know you were just throwing numbers out there. But this is a legit concern for me. I brought this up last week. I want your take on it. We know the Eagles would prefer to throw the ball more this year than they did last year. If they didn't, they wouldn't have gone out and gotten A.J. Brown and paid him $25 million per. So we know their their overall desire is to throw it more than they did last year. The run game worked for them. The run game got them into the playoffs. But uh, starting fresh this year, they're hoping to throw the football more. And hopefully they throw it very successfully. But if they do, that means less running by their quarterback. And Jalen Hurts, I think it was a Rube stat last week. Uh, there were only three players in the NFL who had more 10-yard-plus runs than Jalen Hurts in the National Football League last year. Uh, the Indianapolis kid, uh, Chubb, and one more who I can't remember. But three running backs had uh, the 10-plus the yard runs. Um, Jalen Hurts had 29 of them. Only three guys had more. So if you're subtracting that from the offense, a lot of those runs last year moved the change. Usually do when you go for 10 yards. It's, that's what they mark first downs <laughs> off in the National Football League at. But those were key plays for the Eagles. Now he's going to complete passes on a lot of those, and hopefully most of them are more than 10 yards. But if if you're lessening that aspect of your offense, is it just guaranteed to be better because you're deciding you're going to throw the ball more? Could having Jalen Hurts run the ball less, either designed and or him taking off because he's feeling the pressure, could that actually be something that the Eagle offense misses this year? Well, I think Nick wants to run less. I mean, those last 10 games, I believe the run percentage was somewhere in the neighborhood of 65%, the most in the league. I mean, that was crazy. And you you don't do that. You just can't succeed long-term at that rate. But I... I I think they still want to run, and I think they still want him to run. I mean, you, you mentioned the 10-plus yard runs. I mean, the numbers that jump out at you about him last year was I, he was, I want to say, third in the league in, in rushing first downs. He was second maybe in, in rushing first downs on third down, uh, which was the one and only reason they were fourth in the league in third down percentage last year. It certainly wasn't because – he was throwing the ball well on third down. So now you're hoping that he improves throwing the ball. So, you know, they're in a lot more third and uh, shorts where they can use their running backs, where, you know, where they don't need to rely on him to do that. But I think that's still one of the things he's always going to do well. I mean, we got to a point with Carson Wentz where people didn't want him running anymore. 
uh, even before he tore the ACL. Um, they just felt it was too dangerous. I don't think they can take that attitude with this kid because no matter how much he progresses as a, as a passer, his running ability still is going to be a vital part of who he is. You know, he's not built like a lot of uh, – he's not – he's built like a fullback. Yeah, a little uh, bit. I think yeah. the injury factor, the risk of injury is less. Doesn't mean it can't happen. And, but uh, I don't think you can take that away from him. I think you need to make him smarter as far as when he takes off and be a little bit more selective. But I think you'll still see, uh, you know, plays called for him to run especially if the passing game is successful, it's just going to open things up all around. So, uh, you know, it, it got to the point in Seattle with Russell Wilson where Pete Carroll did not want, I mean, he, he didn't like what he had. He didn't like Russell Wilson running all over the place. He, I mean, he, he kind of likes having Drew Locks, believe it or not, that they can just pound yeah. the ball. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that that's, a, I don't know that Drew Locks going to take him anywhere, but. Um, no, you know, he is so, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But still, I mean, what I'm saying is they still are going to want him to run. You know, maybe the numbers aren't going to be quite up there with last year, but he's still that's still going to be a big part of his game. Um, when we talk about, I think we all agree they want to scale back, as you mentioned, with the run percentage, Damo. Is the scale back sort of less read option stuff? and keep the off-schedule stuff because that's what he does well on third downs. Look, if nothing's there, uh, go pick up the first down. But you can limit it at least a little bit if you put that that read option in the pocket and, and, and say, all right, we're just not going to run that as much. Is that what you project to happen? I don't know, John. Uh, you know, with this group of receivers, uh, you know, I want to see how many, uh, how big a, a deal the RPOs are with Nick this year and that offense because I think it could be really big. I mean, this this group running slants could just destroy defenses. Well, AJ, yeah, yeah, and and RPOs also mean running the, you know, being able to run the ball, uh, not necessarily with your quarterback, but. Uh, you know, with Gainwell and, and Sanders and, and the rest of the running backs. So, you know, there are so many que- – I mean, I'm really ang- – this, this, this training camp, this preseason, this season, a lot of things I really want to see. I want to see how Jonathan Gannon changes the defense with, with, now that he has more versatile weapons to use and can do things that he could not even think about doing last year. And the same thing with the offense. You've got a quarterback that's in, uh, another year older with receivers that are better – I mean, what are how are they going to change? Because uh, I, you know, Nick strikes me as a guy that knows you have to look different from year to year. You can't, you know. Last year, I remember he was just obsessed during training camp with the fact that nobody was going to know what he was. Oh yeah, in game one. Uh, and you know, so I mean, he's a guy that likes to surprise defenses. So I'm I'm anxious to see what we're going to see from that offense yeah. as far as how they attack defenses. All right, speaking of game one, which is now, I got it written down here, 62 days away from uh, opening day for the Eagles. How imperative is the Eagles get off to a fast start? We're going to be questioning, at least I will. And John at least laughs when I say it about the Eagles not practicing. Uh, they, they, they should at least hold hands. I know it's a potential injury, but I think it could bring the unit together. Um the schedule says this team should get off to a really fast start. 
which is a good thing in that they do have teams that, at least on paper, they should compete and potentially beat. But if it goes badly, Damo, if they start one and two, how ugly could it get here in Philadelphia? I don't know how ugly it could be, but it's not an ideal situation for them because they do have to get off to a good start. I mean, they could be – I mean, ideally, they could be eight and two after 10 games. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they don't want to be five and five after 10 games. That I mean, that's the worst-case scenario there because that's – you know, I mean, granted, we don't know – you know, we talked earlier about, the you know, from year to year – the teams that make the playoffs and don't. So we don't know who's going to be good in, in the late November and December, but assuming we're looking at what we're looking at on paper now, and that's who's going to be good. Then you want, you want to make hay early with this, you know, with this schedule and, and then, you know, so at least you have some, some cushion later on if you have injuries uh, or things like that. At P. Damo on Twitter, follow Paul there. Read him at the 33rd uh, team. Uh, read him coming soon to Jacob Sports. Um, Damo, can't let you go without talking about the Hall of Fame. Um, 24 days, thanks to Russell Baxter, who's going to be on the show. I wouldn't know. 24 <laughs> days until the Hall of Fame game. Uh, big year for you with Dick Vermeil and Sam Mills getting in. I, I want to talk to you, though, about the group as a whole. I, I found things kind of interesting. Cliff Branch finally gets in. Modern fans won't understand that, but he deserves to be in. Yeah. I, I was surprised at Leroy Butler. Really good player. Really well-rounded player. And it used to be hard for safeties to get in. Now I seem to, there seems to be a little breakthrough on the safeties. And then Richard Seymour and Bryant Young on the same year. Did that surprise you? Usually it's, you know, defensive tackles, one defensive tackle. Um, you double up on positions, no edge rushers. That kind of surprised me. You see things changing a little bit with the voters and, and how they look at things? It was a little bit of an unpredictable year from the standpoint of, I mean, start with, with Sam Mills, uh, who the previous two years – had not made the cut from 15 to 10 in our meet, in our selection meeting. And, you know, this year he was in, you know, we pounded the, the fact that he was his last year of eligibility as a modern era candidate and it hit home with a lot of people and he ended up going into the hall of fame. Um, but you mentioned the defense lineman. Well, it, it was at the expense of wide receivers, uh, you know, Reggie wide Wayne, Tour Holt, they got they were eliminated early in the 15 to 10 cut. Typically, it's been the other way around. The linemen have suffered and the wide receivers have moved on. And then there's been a log jam where maybe not, you know, where only one made it. But and Baselli's, you know, Baselli's been a finalist for I want to say seven yeah. years. <laughs> I had a lot of, you know, and I had a lot of problems with him every year because of the the, the shortness of his career. Yeah. I mean, he was a great offensive tackle. There was no questioning his Hall of Fame talent. I just wasn't sure, like I wasn't with uh, same with Terrell Davis from Terrell back when he was, and whether his career was long enough to merit a Hall of Fame selection. Uh, but enough guys this year felt okay. You know, he he was you know he's right there on the border as far as games played, starts, blah blah blah, and he got in. So yeah, I was a little bit surprised with the. You know, with the with the mix, Bryant Young probably 
Richard Seymour didn't surprise me. Uh, I knew he was going to get in, but Bryant Young was a, a little bit of a surprise, probably the biggest surprise of that uh, group that's going in this year. He's been doing it slightly longer than me, a couple more years than that for Johnny Mac, but yet he's got the best hand of the three of us, despite yeah. the fact that he's been doing it longer <laughs> than any of them. Uh, which annoys the snot out of both me and McMullen. Uh, Damo, always a pleasure. Thanks, buddy. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks. Do me one favor, though. Get uh, t- Send my regards to Tom Radoski. Daniel. I will. Uh, you know, Daniel, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, Damo, always a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Tom. We'll call you in a couple of weeks. That's Paul Donwich, uh, who will be doing work for Jacob Sports in season while the Eagles game. <laughs> Is underway. Very much looking forward to that. Does a great job for uh, Thirty Thirteen, which is a fine website, or it was till today when I saw this. <laughs> Tom Radoski getting paid. Daniel Jones. Uh, good luck with yeah. that. All right, uh, we still got a lot to do. A uh, couple. I said at the top of the show, three columns that I read religiously: John McMullen, Jacob Sports, uh, Ruben Frank. Couple things from his uh, observation column, which I want to note. And also Peter King's column, which Peter King is writing because he's on vacation. So he hands off the responsibilities for the downtime in the National Football League. And he went all out this week by handing it off to his readers. A mailbag column, which they they took, they they had 30 good, better than Tom Radoski, Daniel Jones is going to get paid. Uh, Peter King's readers do a much better job than he did. Uh, and one of which is a guy who uh, tweets me all the time. And really, on our oh yeah, he's uh, streamed in here on Birds Three Sixty Five today. I was going to give him his props for being part all of right, Peter yeah. King's Football in America column. We'll touch on that when we come back. Russell Baxter, uh, ProFootballGuru.com, is also going to join us coming up in uh, about twenty-five minutes from now. So keep it here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Go for the pulse. And the pools go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mommy Slam Dunk Champion. Really? 
<laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake them off. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Number two of a Monday edition, the countdown being on 15 <clears throat> days from the start of Eagles camp, 62 days to the opening Sunday versus the Detroit Lions. Uh, so we're getting close, folks. Uh, looking forward to doing all the things, setting up, stepping up for the beginning of another Eagle season. Uh, before we went to break, I mentioned that uh, Red Johnny Mack this weekend, Red Ruben Frank this weekend. Checked in on the Peter King column, even though knowing football morning in America is going to be written, composed by someone else other than Peter. He's on vacay. Uh, interesting thing they did. They uh, Peter took all of his mailbox stuff, which part of his column every week is he responds to a couple of guys who, who write him. He put out a request for everyone to come up with an idea that they think would improve the game of football, something that would make it better. And he picked out the 30 best ones. It's a good read. Uh, it's on... Uh, Florio's Pro Football Talk uh, site, if you want to go read it. But one of the included 30 was from Philadelphian Chris Fried, who is a uh, all right. oftentimes tweeter to me. He's hit me up on Twitter all the time. Chris, thank you for that. And he did jump in on the stream today and said, did you see that uh, I'm in Peter King's column today? And I had it on my show sheet. I have a show sheet that I put together every morning. Uh, and I did uh, note that and was going to bring it up at some point on the show. Since he beat me to it by jumping on the stream, we could do it now. And no great surprise. Now, I'm, I'm giving Chris credit because A, he's a good guy. B, he usually sends me good tweets. He had a completely 100% predictable uh, addition to Peter's comp. Bring NFL training camps back to the campuses. 
which here in Philadelphia, long history, starting to watch as it going to Lehigh. It's been going on forever. <clears throat> I uh, didn't get here till after they left Western and moved up uh, to the Northeast extension. Yeah, everybody loves it. Everybody enjoyed it. Everybody took days to go up there. Everybody's got a story about going to Eagle training camp. Uh, that's the past. This has got no chance of ever coming back, does it, Johnny Mac? They're, no. they're never no. going back to uh, doing their camps remotely. No. We see the shrinkings of camp, the actual work that's done. Do you think they're going to take that on the road? The 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 the, the no. scaled back camps that the Eagles have. No. Yes, let's put this on full display on a college campus so all our fans can come up and watch us do calisthenics for forty five minutes and get the hell off the field. Yeah, oh yeah, that's got a chance of happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not um, cost effective anymore, and you know the scale back, you know. The, the remembrance were two a days and you know things going on all day it just doesn't exist anymore i'm surprised anybody goes away and there's some you know still some old school guys hanging on uh pittsburgh kansas city um you know it, it it's and and when doug that was the first year i believe that was the first year uh, where the Eagles came back. Now it, it was it was actually Chip, uh, but when Doug came here the the first year, um, he explained it pretty succinctly. Like you know, we just don't have the time to do things. And remember, this is it's been scaled back even further. You got to move all the equipment. You got to move the the and stuff that the weight room, the the medical equipment. And it's just not, it doesn't make any sense to just move it all to a different place to have that sort of nostalgia feel. Um, it stinks. And, and you know, I, I feel bad for fans, but it just doesn't make sense from a, from a team's perspective. And, and certainly now with the way the Eagles do things, as you mentioned, you really want to hike up to Lehigh and do all that stuff and you're, Hey, there's a 45, 50 minute practice and you're you're out of there as you mentioned, Jody. Um, I don't think it would be fun as fun for fans either any longer. There's some hardcores who would love it, you just want to see the players and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't make sense. And that, you know, and I, I saw Peter's column this morning, and and as you mentioned, not Peter's column, but you know. Uh, he's on vacation. That's what he does. He has guest columnists. Good idea. All the business ideas. I'm like, he should have said no business ideas, just football ideas because, you know, they're not realistic. So it doesn't add anything to the conversation. Um, and, you know, training camp is one of them. I mean, the business part of it, those things are not realistic that, that people are throwing out there. And it, it, it generally is always that way. And sure enough, Chris uh, Fry just jumped on for the stream. And I'll respond to him. Cost effective, he questioned you, Johnny Mac. Uh, NFL is losing more money long term for not developing youngsters into fans than the few hundred thousand dollars it would cost them. You're thinking Here's of the other problem. sports. Here's the <laughs> problem with your argument, Chris. <laughs> They're not losing fans. No. They never lose fans. 
even when they basically spit in your eye, which I am agreeing with you, that's exactly what this is. They're telling fans, listen, love you, bud. We're not going to give you what you want. Not going to give you what you need. We're not going to bend over backwards to to allow you access to the team. We're going to do things our way. And we know you're going to show up on Sunday and watch for eight straight hours. We know you're going to come to the game and pay your 150 bucks for a ticket. We know you're going to pay your $40 for parking and beer and everything else. And yeah, we're going to give you less. We're not going to give you as much access. We're just going to do our thing our way, most convenient for us. And yeah, you guys, you'll glom on because you always do. That's what it is in the National Football League. No matter how much less of a product they give you. And oh, by the way, uh, part of the uh, article somewhere that Roger Goodell, the NFL is going to start a streaming service, NFL Plus. Yeah. Charge you $5 a month for what? Ah, we haven't figured it out yet, but we're going to charge you $5 yeah. a month. Uh, they, they, Yeah, they milk you guys. Oh, That's yeah. what they do. Yes. And other sports attempt to do it, and they find, uh-oh, we overreached. And then they back up. And they said, well, we got to give them something if we're going to ask for something. The NFL just keeps taking and taking and taking and giving less yeah. and giving less and giving less. I talk about and it all the what? time. You're with it. Yeah. The, the and... NFL fans say, yes, please hit us again. Yeah, the the the, the NFL is the only sport that isn't worried about creating new fans, and that's part of the problem because they know nobody's going away. Um, but I was looking at you know just and and that's what I'm talking about, like adopt re- relegation. Yeah, it's a cute little thing. Uh, you know, I enjoy it in in the way sort of the EPL runs and things like that. Give ownership ten years to win. These are not realistic, Jody. I mean, these guys pay billions of dollars for these teams. They're not going to accept these restrictions. I mean, now some people might think it's fun to talk about that stuff. I'm I'm a big realism guy. Like, if it's not realistic, I turn off. Like, I, I don't even start. Li- and that kind of stuff is not realistic. So that's all I'm saying. It's not realistic. And uh, the cost-effective part was not more from the NFL. It's more from the Eagles. And by the way, the Eagles can afford it. The Eagles can afford to piss away whatever they want and drag their equipment all over for two weeks. Right. But they prefer not to. You know, rich people are rich for a reason. And they prefer not to drag uh, all this equipment and all these things and all these logistics for two weeks of essentially nothing when they can do it easier at home. That's what I meant by cost effect. Right. And it it really is more convenient than it is dollars yeah. and cents because they if if they used to do it and they didn't generate one tenth of what they generate now these days, why couldn't they afford to do it? Well, of course they could afford to do it. They just choose not to yeah. because they don't need to, because they don't have to worry about appeasing you fans and getting out there and uh, showing off what they're doing in the preseason. If we can keep it under wraps and we can make it easier on ourselves, coaching staff, general manager, everybody else, our players uh, don't have to ask them to uh, stay in dorms or whatever. Yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to choose the easiest path because they know there's going to be no downside residual effects. And and that's another thing. I talked about it last week going and Dama has been going to training camp since 83, since me, me, the early nineties. And you're having these, you know, you're going to pay Patrick Mahomes uh, uh, 150. You're going to pay AJ Brown. Let's do it locally. A hundred million dollars. Hey, AJ, go bunk with some, <laughs> some in a in a dorm 
with no air condition like it used to be. The that's another thing. I mean, sports has changed, and um, you know, these are valuable commodities. So you talk about baseball and pitch counts and things like that. Well, they're paying pitchers all these, you know, exorbitant salaries, and they want to make sure that they have them for as long as possible, and they don't want to you know, assume everybody's Nolan Ryan and can throw 300 innings for 20 stinking years. Um, They want to protect their investments because they're spending so much money on them. Uh, That's part of it as well. And uh, I mentioned the NFL is going to have its NFL live streaming service, which they're going to give you something. Don't know what yet. Roger Goodell hasn't said, but they're going to charge you a, a fee every single month. I uh, don't know if it will or won't be tied to the NFL Sunday ticket, which this final year is on um, the satellite service, um, but it's up for bids in 2023. And Goodell basically came out and said, yeah, chances are it's going to be a streaming service. I got no problem with that because I used to have the dish. I had the NFL ticket for two decades, whatever hour long it was. I started working on Sundays so my wife said, how much are we paying a month for this? And you're not home to watch the games. I said, you got a point. Yeah. Honey. So we dropped yeah. it. Um, and it'd be nice if we get a streaming service, if it's going to be a streaming thing going forward. And that's what you're going to be able to uh, get the games on and the like. But yeah, I've never paid for direct TV because I'm never home to watch the game. Right. So and uh, I, I did for, like I said, 20 yeah. years, I had the satellite dish up on top of the house. But when I was no longer home on Sundays, we yeah. wisely said, yeah, we, don't need this we've got yeah. enough on our can i tell stuff. you real quick jody my favorite uh um uh piece of advice the fans gave in peter king's column yeah um and i want to hear yours i can't find it i think it was called tanking insurance i love that idea i've always loved that idea tanking that you, insurance you you re- reward the first team out of the playoffs more than the worst team in the draft in other words the first team that misses the playoffs gets the number one overall pick. And then you go backwards uh, until you get the teams in the playoffs and they're in the back half of the first round. And then in theory, you, you know, you're trying to win every game. You're trying to win every game because I think tanking and, you know, I think we're on the same page here. It's antithetical to the, to the very idea of sports and competitiveness and I think we joked about it with Tomo. Everything's math, and you have these people. And and don't get me wrong, they come up with some amazing data, and you know they they more so in basketball and other sports than football. But in football as well, they've come up with the idea. Well, it's easier to win this way, and they're completely right. Uh, so change the rules and, and and eliminate that because. You, you should not have professional sports teams trying to lose. Never. Ever. Period. Actually, I believe that. I, I like the way the NBA does it best. Uh, and I know that the Sixers absolutely tanked in the NBA. And oh, by the way, the three years of watching the worst basketball in the NBA, certainly in the history of the Philadelphia uh, basketball organization, hasn't delivered anything as far as the playoffs go. They were going to be smart never. They're going to figure it out. They were going to do it better. They're going to think outside the box. Still can't get past where Doug Collins got with the 76ers in the second round of the playoffs. So 
Uh, the fact that they have a weighted lottery, I think, is the best way to do it. I don't want to give the first pick in the draft to the team that just misses the playoffs because the reason you have the draft is to try and strap up the worst teams. And I think that's what you should try and do to give everybody the fairest chance. So if you make it a lottery, then you don't know who's going to get it. You just missed the playoffs. The ping pong balls come up your way. Guess what? You get rewarded with the first pick. If you go one in uh, 16 and you attempt to tank and the ping pong balls go against you. Oh, well, eh, for you for trying to lose yeah. every single game. I mean that, that the NBA has had different incarnations of the lottery and it's gotten more weighted to, 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 to where it's, you know, certainly the odds are, and it's happened many times that the worst team doesn't get the first overall pick. So it's a little bit better, but I think it's too weighted. I hear what you're saying, but the NFL too is a little bit different than other sports because it's built on parity. And the difference between one and 32 in the NFL is probably lesser than the other sports from one to last. Um, you see it every year, worst to first in the NFL. Um, you get a couple players, you can turn things around pretty quickly. So I think that part of it lends itself a little bit better to the NFL uh, doing it. Uh, the way the fan uh, in Peter's column explained it. Um, boy, I'd love to see teams fighting to win games, though, Jody. I really would. I really would. I, I hear what you're saying. But the one that actually grabbed my attention most was the one that could probably happen the easiest. Because a lot of them were out there that had no chance of happening, as you've already stated, it, like it, thank you very much. No chance. You got no chance. It coming back to uh, college camp, no chance. It's not happening. Uh, so there are a bunch in there that were, while fun to talk about, have no chance in reality. One was so simple. The 30-second clock, the play clock in the National Football League. How many times a year, and oh, by the way, between you and me, I think the television partners with the NFL are told not to use camera shots that show the snap of the ball and the 30-second clock in the background. Now, they have it on TV, and then they can make the argument after the fact. Well, it wasn't perfectly synced up. If you have a shot, a video shot, over the quarterback's shoulder, and you can see the, 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 the play clock, and it's gone off before the ball snaps, and the referee just didn't blow their whistle, the play counts every game. There seems to be one or two times it happens every single game. You go, but it was a zero, and he hadn't snapped it yet. Why didn't they throw the flag? Well, the NFL has explained this many times, and it's a stupid explanation. Basically, crap. Yeah, complete and utter crap. The mechanics of the play, the, the, the officials looking at the clock, and there's a little bit of lull. So, in essence, it's 42nd, by the way, during the game. Uh, so in essence, it's like 40 and a half seconds. So you look at the clock and then you look down and you get that extra half tick if you're the offense. Look, there's so much technology. Um, you know, first downs, you know, we got officials. I mean, you could easily do that electronically and have no, you know, note cards, bringing out the note card, Jody, to put the, 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 uh, to put the card in between the football and the first down marker, there should be no need for, for stuff like that. They should take advantage of technology. The the 42nd clock or 25 coming out of the timeouts. Yeah. I mean, bang, 
eh, have a buzzer, whatever. Buzzer. Why, why the can't ball... they use a buzzer? Why can't the official yeah. have a buzzer? Yeah. It, it makes too much sense. And they can't, well, we didn't know. There's that split second between yeah. your watch. It's tough to avert your eyes yeah. from watching the football snap and watching the play clock. Yeah, it's a crap Give a buzzer. As soon as the buzzer goes, your whistle goes, the play doesn't count. Blow yeah, it dead. It's a crap explanation. They still use it. It's, you know, I'm, I'm for the most part, I don't have a problem with officials as much as other people. I think I'm well on record. I, oh, and it's not is, a, this isn't unofficial. This well, it is NFL. because because they're the ones who are slow. They're looking at the clock, right? And it, it goes to zero, and then they look down, so you have that little lull. So they blame it on the human element of the game, and they say, well, we want to keep that in, and I'm all for it. But they're, they're the human element, I mean, um, I'm all for it because – Players are human too, right? The whole the whole point of the NFL is execution. Some guys execute, some guys don't. Same thing with officials. So I don't have a problem with a bad pass interference call here and there, blah, blah, blah. Um, but stuff you can easily fix with technology, just That's fix it. it. Just use it. Just use it. You, you and I are on the exact same page. I appreciate the human element and the referees trying to do their job and the angles and you have instant replay to overturn some but not all when it's as easy as just give him a buzzer and as soon as it goes to zero hit the buzzer blow your whistle the play's dead that's too easy to not fix it is so easy you're obligated to fix it and i thought that was a great point in the column today all right uh, we had some fun with that Coming up next, we're hoping to get Russell Baxter from PopeFootballGuru.com to join us. Uh, good uh, NFL writer I've had on as a guest for over the last 30 plus years. Uh, hopefully, we get Russell up next here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com action news at 11 with rick williams it's the team you trust to bring it all together the stories that impact your community a sports roundup for the locals and the accuweather forecast you depend on action news at 11 with rick williams Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mommy Slam Dunk Champion. Really? <laughs> yeah.
Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Birds 365 guys here on the Jacob TV YouTube channel. Go ahead, hit that like button. Oh, we could use a little love. Thank you very much. We want to show some love to our next guest. I always do because the guy's only been uh, agreeing to come on my show for 30 some odd years. He's joined us here on Birds 365. You know him from uh, profootballguru.com. He contributes from both fan sided and NFL spin zone. NFL historian. Russell Baxter joins us here on Birds 365. Russell, how's your summer going? Is Russell hearing us? Russell, can you hear us? He was he was in the green room, and then we dropped the feed drop, and then he got oh, back so far so good. Uh, there you go. Hello, Russell. And, uh, donating um, a share of uh, golf balls to various courses around the lake. <laughs> I, I hear your pain there, Russell. Uh, how much are you are we good? these days? I, are are yes. we getting a lag? You know, I, a couple, tour, couple tournaments, um, got one coming up, uh, and I'll be in Canton, Ohio, where if I get a chance to play golf, I'm sure uh, the people of Canton will be very generous and happy with the balls I donate to their courses as well. So. <laughs> Russell, no, you've been a big Hall of Fame guy all these years, and you always try and get out to the Hall of Fame game. Uh, we had Paul Domwich on before you in hour number one and asked him a little about, about the Hall of Fame class. We'll get your opinion as well. How good a class is this year's going into the Hall of Fame? Well, I think it's a very solid class, and it's what I, I described as a gritty class. OK, I mean, you've got uh, Tony Baselli, you've got Sam Mills, um, you know, solid defensive players, guys who in the trenches, Richard Seymour, who could play defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle, very versatile. Reminds me of Joe Klecko, who uh, I believe is on the seniors committee uh, nominees, the finalists that came out, which will get reduced um, with over the next couple of weeks and so on. Um but I think my personal favorite as far as who's going in and Dick Vermeil's going in, as you guys yeah. well know, is Cliff Branch, who I think has waited an awfully long time. Um, one of the big play receivers in NFL history, one of the big postseason receivers in NFL history. Um, I never heard Chris Berman say that he used to say this about Daryl Green. So I'll say it about Cliff Branch. He came into the league fast. And he left the league fast. So I'm paraphrasing from Boomer there. That's how he used to describe Daryl Green. 
And that that was Clip Branch. I mean, I saw Clip Branch in the 74 AFC title game, a game the Steelers won at Oakland. But he ran past Mel Blunt like Mel Blunt was standing still and just frustrated him most of that day and so on. I mean, he could take the top off of any defense. Uh, I'm glad he's in. Uh, in some ways, he's kind of like, is there such thing as underrated Pro Football Hall of Famers? I think yeah, you agree there right are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A guy who never get talked that much, but he's in the Hall of Fame. Mind you, Paul Warfield. Paul Warfield was the consummate deep threat. He did it with the Browns and he did it with the Dolphins. Um, and because the Dolphins were so um, run-oriented, remember, remember Bob Greasy played two Super Bowls in which he was 8 of 11 and 6 of 7. <laughs> okay, and he didn't leave. He didn't leave either one of those games either. Okay, yeah. so, um, but Cliff Branch, uh, three. And by the way, team titles, team titles are a team accomplishment, you know, and so on. But he was part of three teams that won Super Bowls and did it with two different quarterbacks: Kenny Stabler in Super Bowl eleven, and of course Jim Plunkett in Super Bowl fifteen and Super Bowl eighteen. So he has the overall resume. Um, you know, senior committee is changing starting in 2023, where they're going to have three nine instead of one. It's something they're going to try for the next three years. So hopefully the backlog of great players from the, you know, all kinds of errors start filling up the pro football hall of fame. Such a great weekend. I don't know if either one of you ever been my first year. I wrote about this on Twitter last night. My first year was 1989. I was very lucky. I got to see Terry Bradshaw's famous, what I wouldn't do to put my hands under Mike Webster's butt one more time speech <laughs> um, in 89. It was also Art Shell, Mel Blunt, and Willie Wood. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mentioned Cliff before you came on with Damo Russell, and I was a little bit concerned because, you know, receiving the younger band doesn't realize they look at numbers and, and they look at guys like Cliff Branch and Paul Warfield, as you mentioned. And we just lost uh, Russell, I believe. Did you lose him, Jody, or such yeah. as me? Um, so Tone, try to take Russell down, I, I guess, and try to get him back up if you can, if you can do that. Jody and I will continue. Um, but I, you know, I, I think people don't realize how much the game has changed and how dominant people like Cliff Branch and Paul Warfield were in their time. And it doesn't look great. Uh, next to, you know, average receivers today, very, very similar. I don't know if you got the first part of that, Russell. Can you hear us? All right, we've got Russell back. Yeah. Russell, can you hear us? I can hear you now again. Sorry. Yeah. We, I keep – there must be somebody aiming golf balls at my wife. <laughs> <laughs> No worries. I was talking about yes. Cliff and, and, and the different generations and the fact that his numbers don't look great when you compare them against modern receivers. And I get a little bit worried that, you know, some voters will, will get lost in the, in the ether and not judge guys in their particular generations. Uh, as somebody who's followed this for a long time, have you seen some of that? Bill. Russell, you got Russell us mm -hmm. again. He's looking yeah. at us, but he's not uh, responding, so he must not be hearing what we're saying. Um, yeah. 
we'll try one more time and then we'll we'll I guess we'll have to move on. But uh Jody, your thoughts on that uh, the fact that uh, Right. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you know if you go back through the years John, yeah. wide receiver has been probably Yeah, wide receiver has probably been the most controversial I, I did hear you, John. You seem to have a lag. Yeah, that is – I think that's exactly what we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, don't think we're going to be able to continue on with Russell because um, if he can't hear us, we're on a lag. He's answering questions 25 seconds after the fact. That's uh, just not going to help us. But we thank Russell for hopping on board. To answer your question that you posed to Russell, John, um, yeah. It, and I I appreciate the job that the Hall of Fame voters, Paul Domwich, who was on with us earlier, uh, and, and a bunch of other guys we've had on the show over the years, whose uh, job is to vote the guys in. I think they do an outstanding job. I, will I nitpick with something every once in a while and go, wait a minute, no, 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 you're looking at that wrong. Need to look at it this way. Yeah, every once in a while. But they've got the best writers in the national oh, yeah. cover the, yeah. the, the sport on that list each and every single time. Um, you're right. The The biggest thing, the biggest responsibility you have, at least the way I look at it is you have to keep the players. It's so difficult to complete, compare errors to errors. I think they do a really good job of keeping players compared to the players they played against in the time they were in the national football league that they don't go, Oh wait, what do you mean? He only had a 950. We had eight guys every year, single year, is 950. What do you mean he led the National Football League with 950 yards? Well, because the game was different, less games, less emphasis on the pass. Wide receivers are a tough group because it has changed. The game has changed the passing game so much over the last 30 years. It's difficult to do, but I think the guys who vote the Hall of Fame have done a pretty good job of keeping guys in their eras and comparing them to the players that they played against rather than trying to compare them to somebody 30 years down the road. Yeah. And I always, I, and I've said it on this show. I, <laughs> I kind of always remember the 92.3 that Joe Montana had as a passer rating um, when he retired. Um, and nowadays, you know, that's run of the mill. That's middle um, of the pack. Yeah. And needless to say, it was a record at the time uh, and was kind of, you know, so far above anyone to that point. And and now if you're at a 92.3, you had a decent year, but you're not you're not with the Rodgers of the world, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Um, that's how how much the game has changed and probably most notable quarterback and wide receiver because there's so many wide receivers with just bloated numbers and same thing with quarterbacks um and then you start looking at kenny stabler russell brought up Cl cliff branch it took kenny stabler a long time to get the hall of fame and i would say every year I'd go, what the heck is going on here even even a uh, ken anderson who i know from being on the radio in cincinnati for years I've always thought Ken Anderson, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, and he might get in there. And he's sort of been like the – he's on the seniors committee now, and I think he's got a good chance. As Russell said, they're tweaking things a little bit. Um, 
and you know he's still not in um um it, it's it's really difficult to judge guys in their particular era but i think you're right the voters as a whole you know 90 well over 90 percent of them do a very good job at that that actually surprised me a little bit, John, because I, I go through this exercise every single year. If you're any kind of a football fan, I know you do because you're a football writer. You guys' name comes up and you, you you investigate his numbers. You look at his numbers and you try and compare them, as we were just discussing, to the other quarterbacks in his era at that time. You had Anderson as a Hall of Fame quarterback, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he's one of the – one of the most underrated quarterbacks, I think, uh, ever, to be honest. Um, uh, and I think he does get kind of lost in the, in, in, you know, and I, I, we talk about Super Bowl, uh, titles all the time. He wasn't able to get over the top. And I think like Warren Moon is a guy who, you know, I got to cover as a tremendous, tremendous quarterback, um, maybe through the, prettiest ball I've ever seen um and he had all this talent all this passing yardage but I never thought he was a hall of famer and he got in the hall of fame really pretty quickly um and and part of that is his team success and, and getting over the hump uh so it is interesting when I I you know everybody's got their their thought processes, maybe because I've, I've talked to so, so many people in Cincinnati and they pointed out some things about Kenny Anderson and player of the year and all pro nods and things like that. Um, and people kind of forget how good he was. And then you got that. I think Warren was one of the first guys with the astronomical numbers, run and shoot. Remember that offense. Right. And the numbers were just outrageous, but you know, I, and, and then people kind of caught up to the numbers because it kept getting that way. And I think if you go back, you got to be careful. The first couple guys that put up those astronomical numbers, you were like, wow, wow, 4,000 passing yards. 4, well, now it's like, yeah, uh, okay, it's run and shoot. It's yeah. interesting you bring those two guys up because I had Hall of Fame opinions on both of them. Yeah, I never thought Kenny Anderson was a Hall of Famer. Um, Hall of the Very Good, yes. Hall of Fame, no. Uh, and I did crunch his numbers, shoot, probably to, uh, shortly after he retired, probably the first year that he was up for Hall of Fame eligibility. And even in comparison to the guys he was against, I just thought he came up short. Here was my thing about Warren Moon. Does, does Canadian Football League count? No. It's the Pro no. Football Hall of Fame. It should be. If, but it's it's not. <laughs> right. It, it isn't because there are guys that would just get in off their Canadian Football League numbers. They were playing yeah. it down in the National Football League. Yeah. Put up outrageous numbers up there. So the Canadian Football League numbers never really counted for me. And if they don't, then, yeah, I thought Warren Moon was short. I thought that they looked at him and said, yeah, and he did. I know we're not officially looking at it. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But look at what he did in the Canadian Football League. And if he had been in the National Football League at that time and put up numbers comparable, but then he would have been a Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't necessarily believe Warren Moon was a, a Hall of Famer unless yeah. you made that uh, leap of Canadian Football League, what he would have done in the National Football League. 
I'm a tough grader. If I were so well, I'm a tough grader too. They'd hate me because I just go, nah, kind of short, nah, kind of short. Well, I didn't, yeah, because I was having some trouble with my computer, but you know, I was trying to punch up Kenny Anderson. You know, it was an MVP. I think a lot of people forget, uh, which is really difficult uh, to do in the NFL, certainly in that era. Um, You know. Oh, all, not, that, all, not that era, any era. There's one yeah. every every year. Yeah. That that's one thing that never changes. Yeah. The well, National Football League has changed a lot, but there's one MVP every single I, year. I meant from the perspective of that that was an era where teams stuck together for a long time. So you had the, you know, really 70s going into the early 80s. You had these dynasty teams uh, because yeah. you you would have guys. You didn't have free agency, so if you got a bunch of good players like Pittsburgh you kept them together for a decade and it became much harder. Now, now if you win a Super Bowl, what's the first thing that happens? Everybody goes pilfering from you and you lose players. So from that perspective, you had all these super teams and Cincinnati wasn't one of them for most of it, but they were able to have their, their Super Bowl run. You know, four-time passing Raider leader, which I, I think people don't realize, uh, Led the league in passing yards, all multi-time All-Pro MVP. I just—he's one of those guys that people don't recognize how good he was, and he's borderline. I'm not saying he's slam dunk. I—I I understand why people have debated him for years. To me, he's one of those demarcation line players. Like you always use players. Are is he better than Kenny Anderson? Is he worse than Kenny Anderson? If he's better, he's probably a Hall of Famer but I think he should be in instead of being out. Yeah. You got him borderline in. I got him borderline out close between the two. Um, all right. We still got a couple minutes left here. There were a couple other things from the Peter King mailbag column today. It's so nice when somebody else does your work for you. Uh, but I uh, give Peter credit because he came up with 30 really good topics. One of them I thought was kind of interesting. I I'm shocked that I never actually thought of this myself. The 53 man roster that the NFL each and every single week has 53 guys. They have flexibility, move guys up from the practice squad. It's certainly changed over the years, but it is still a 53 man roster, but then they only play 45 on Sundays. If you've got these guys and you're paying these guys, Oh, by the way, and don't kid yourself. Payment has a lot to do with sides of rosters in every single sport, NFL, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, ooh, they went to 26 this year. That was a major move from 25 to 26. It's one guy. Owners fought like hell to not have to do that. They made COVID concessions, but now that uh, MLB, like NFL, is dictated that COVID no longer exists, except in Jordy McDonald's house. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the roster size is something that we have fun with every single week. I know you stay on top of it. I check your Twitter. Who are the uh, actives? Who are the inactives and the like? Why do we even have inactives? If no, I'm with you. That's a uh... man roster and you're paying the guy full freight for that day to sit up in a uh, luxury box and be well-dressed and look at his teammates and root for them. Why do you think they hold it at 45 when you actually have a 53-man roster? Yeah, that's it. That, I'm glad you brought that up. That's another one that I liked. Um, yeah, I, I mean the the easy answer is strategy um that's what they always lean on but you know 
I often talk about this league's hypocrisy of, you know, player safety uh, for, for a number of reasons. And one of them uh, probably much lesser on the list, but is that game day inactive list. You got 53 players, let the coaches use 53 players. The last thing, you know, probably the best example is offensive line. You use, you generally have a swing tackle, right? So if you have two injuries and we've seen it many times over the years, sometimes you have a tight end playing tackle and it just gets ugly. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but it, it happens enough over a, a couple year period. You start saying, well, what the heck's going on here? Um, and this whole nonsense about strategy and it keeps to it, you know, that's what they said for years about the roster and the limits on the roster and um, the practice squad. Now they've gotten a little bit more open-minded, uh, you know, first, as you mentioned, through COVID. Um, and now the expanded practice squad, they've agreed to that. So you have more uh, wiggle room, guys coming back from injured reserve. Before it was like, well, you can't come back. You're on injured reserve. You're done. Then they moved it to to a couple players. Then it was three players. Now it's, you know, shuttle back and forth, and that gives teams more roster flexibility. Same thing should happen on game day. You got 53 players. Now all of them are probably not going to be healthy at one time, but everybody who's healthy and dressed and on the roster should be able to play. But, 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 but. 46 it's 46 now because of the extra offensive linemen because of the issues i've mentioned stupid it's stupid it's an antiquated we've always done it that way issue just change it agreed and one that i really do like because i i heard what you said and i was thinking along the same lines there is a little bit of strategy involved Really, when was the last time I can answer the question for myself? Have we on Birds 365 ever second guessed the Eagles roster after an Eagles game? Well, next no, yeah, I mean, it's never no, happened. No, so no. the argument of, oh, there's some strategy to it. No, no there's not. Yes, there is, but it's not important enough no. for us to sit here and spend 10 minutes thinking. And you know where the Eagles could have lost this game? They didn't elevate this guy and they played him and said, no, we never do that. So don't go there. But where yeah. strategy really could be cool. And again, congrats to Peter for getting smart guys like our buddy Chris Fried. Glad you made the column, Chris. Your, your suggestion has no chance of happening. They're never going back on campus. But this one was really interesting. And I've discussed it before on my radio show. I think it was before you and I started Birds 365. We moved to a 17-game season last year. The biggest season in NFL history because it was 17 games. At some point, we're going to go to a new biggest NFL season of, of all time because they're going to make it 18 games. There'll be two preseason games and 18 regular season games. When we get there, there will be more consternation about players at risk, injuries. You're asking them to do too much. The players are going to ask for more. They would probably like to get team 18 games before this next collective bargaining agreement is due, which isn't for years down the road. So it'll have to be in within a collective bargaining agreement negotiation. Really interesting. 18 games, but your players are only obligated to and are uh, cannot be used 
for more than either 17 or 16. That you put yeah. a cap and or a yeah. limit on the number of games a player can play. And they may make quarterbacks exempt from this so you don't have to start your backup quarterback. Or they could really make it strategical and leave the quarterbacks in there. But you could have positions where you say, all right, 16 is the max on the offensive line, defensive line, because it's so physical. But for DBs and wide receivers, they could play 17 out of 18. You talk about strategy. You talk about needing to see the team roster. You talk about them not naming. And John McMullen have to get into the fact of who uh, Nick Sirianni is going to activate this week or not activate this week. That could end. That could lend itself yeah. to some serious. And that's in that's not ball. never going to happen. I heard that floated with the eighteen game schedule as well. It's not going to be happen for the coaches' perspective. I mean, they don't want to make those decisions, and they want to. They they want the least Shockingly, amount. John, you, are you telling me again the National Football League not going to do something that would be more entertaining for the fans? Oh yeah. How dare they? Oh yeah. They a lot of people talk about they can. You know, we talk about spring football, the XFL, the USFL. They have the, all these tweaks that are interesting to the fans that do watch them. You know, not a lot, but you know, one of them was especially with the XFL. The USFL did it a little bit. Um, they you, you were right in the coaches' uh, ear ear earpiece. You you heard the coaches calling plays, and a lot of people who would watch that said that's pretty cool. Um, coaches wanted no part of that. I mean, zero part of that because they can only look bad in those types of things. If it works, it works, and everybody forgets about it. But if you have a fumbling scenario, and fumbling, I don't mean on the field. I mean, you're 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 reaching for a play. You're late. You you just look like a a, a a moron, and they don't want any part of that. Any part of it, and it's never coming to the NFL. Uh, similar situation with, with what you just mentioned. I, I have a hunch if it ever came to pass and it's not going to come to pass and you had 16, say you're playing 18 games in, but players can only play 16, right? Because that was the bloated idea. Just not going to play the starting quarterback till week three because they don't want to be in week 17 and week 18 and they played their quarterback and they're fighting and clawing, but this week they can't play their quarterback because – they used up all his eligibility. I, I, you know, I don't think it would be strategy at all. It would just be everybody getting it out of the way early in the season with the key players, and they don't want to make those decisions, Joe. Yeah, but so. see, uh, we'll use the Eagles as, as an example. Week one and week two, you're playing the Cowboys, and you're playing, uh, let's see, a team that the Eagles will probably be. Oh, the Saints. The Saints, since they've got the Saints' number one draft pick this year anyway, and they could be in a battle with the Saints for a potential wild card if uh, the Cowboys and Eagles are doing battle for the division. Those are your first two games. You sit in Jalen Hurts for both of those two just in case? No, there's got to be some strategy involved, John. You want to play him? You want to sit your quarterback in a game against a team that you think, hey, even with our backup, we're better than. So it would be adhering to the schedule and analyzing your opponent. That's what would make it great. Well, no, I'm not saying that's what it shouldn't be. I'm saying what it would be. I'm saying what it would be. And the NFL, and I got to look at the week one schedule. They don't do division games early, typically, uh, that early. 
Uh, so right off the bat, um, you know. Yeah, for the Eagles, it might be in this year, if you just plug it in this yeah, year. Yeah, Lions and Detroit, Vikings. Minnesota. Yeah, you could stay your starting quarterback the first two. But typically, that's the way it, it normally is. Now, there is, I think, the Saints, I'm looking at it. Um, the Saints play the Falcons. Um, Patriots play the Dolphins. So there's a couple. So it could happen. Um, and maybe that year would be a little bit more interesting. But this year for the Eagles, yeah, it's Lions, Vikings. I mean, you just get it out of the yeah, way. Exactly. Uh, and and it, it, yeah, if you're playing the Cowboys, you want to beat the Cowboys. Um, coaches are, are going to push back on that really, really hard. Really hard. I understand. But that would be cool from a sports talk show host. Oh, view. yeah. It'd be great oh, for our stand. Give us such uh, yeah. fodder. Could you imagine having to play week 18, would be week 19, would be week 20, because they probably have two buys. Uh, so the final game of the season, we'll describe it as. And you have to win it to get in the playoffs, but your quarterback isn't eligible. That coach is getting fired. Man. Oh, shit. I was going to say, he should be fired before he gets there, before no. they play the game. What yeah. do you mean you you got one more uh, game you got to Well, in theory, you're with. fighting and clawing the whole way to be in that position. So you're playing your quarterback, you're playing your quarterback, you're trying to get in position. Maybe you lose the week before you thought you're going to win the game, and all of a sudden you can't play your quarterback because of eligibility. Uh, yeah, they're going to fight that to the hilt, man. Yeah, you you got the you got the backup quarterbacks playing the first two games. I don't think that's a necessity. It's a probability, but it's not a necessity. Oh, here's a necessity. Your starting quarterback must be eligible for the last game. If you get to a point where you, oh, shoot, we don't have our quarterback to play this week. Not only should you be fired, you should be uh, run out of the country. Uh, no, not, that, that's not going to happen. All right. Uh, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, sorry that we lost Russell Baxter. Sometimes we have these connection issues it's, yeah uh, don't have to fault or technology fault or gives and technology takes away yeah who it do we gives blame and for? it takes away jody i don't know who to blame for that but uh we'll we'll try and get russell back up and on again over the next couple of weeks because uh he he does have a unique impression on what the national football league is about because he's been doing it for a long time got a couple of old timers today mcmullen mcdonald uh paul Domwich, and russell baxter We'll get some younger guys on as the week goes on. We promise. Uh, we'll come back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365 next. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. field of life 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back, guys. We're wrapping up a uh, Monday edition of Birds 365. Hi, Johnny Mac. I mentioned at the top of the show, busy weekend for you on jacobsports.com. Positional previews for the season, quarterback, wide receiver, running backs. Where are you off to next, my friend? Uh, I'm assuming uh, on the Eagles' main position of strength, which would be the offensive line, or you the, the tight ends merit their own day. Uh, tight ends merit their own day. So tight ends are next. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna do interior offensive line and and Ooh. tackles. So I'm gonna break it down okay. from from All both right. perspectives. Same thing defense. I'm gonna have uh, as JG calls them the interior defensive line and the overhang players. Uh, so the Sam linebackers, defensive ends, because. That makes more sense to me. Speaking of overhang players, uh, I'm reading everything you put on jacobsports.com, but keeping an eye on your Sports Illustrated stuff. Uh, and you've gone on a complete, you and Kratz, on a complete run on the defensive line after Jalen Hurts and your SI list is the best players, not necessarily most important players, not factoring in upgrades or just best football players on the Eagles roster. You had uh, Hertz at number 13, Hargrave at 12, Brandon Graham 11, Josh Sweat 10, Fletcher Cox 9. That's four straight defensive linemen. All right, he's got to go somewhere else. Number eight, Hassan Reddick, overhang player, who's a quasi-defensive lineman. When the hell are you getting off the defensive line? When am I going to see my guy pipe? N'Kobe Dean's now into the top it, seven. It, it, I it. love it. You're going to see, I said, when you get to the top of the list, I foreshadowed, you're going to see a lot of defensive linemen. You're going to see a lot of offensive linemen as we go forward. That's the strength of the Eagles team. It's pretty obvious. A couple guys mixed in there. 
a couple skill position players mixed in. When in doubt, how he puts resources in the trenches. And for the most part, he gets paid off. Uh, if you uh, think John and Ed's list is right on, uh, yes, they went on a complete defensive line run. Oh, I'm I'm projecting a complete offensive line run coming up here pretty damn well, quick. Got to get you still got to get AJ and Dallas in there. So, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense, and uh, I'm guessing they'll have one cornerback in the top uh, seven as well. Just a guess on my part. We'll have to see how it plays itself out. All right, partner. Uh, again, apologies to all our streamers. Thanks much for uh, jumping in. Uh, Russell Baxter, we just had technical issues. Uh, we had to cut him a little short. Dama was great. Um, we'll try this again 24 hours from now or 22 because we did put the last two in. Uh, Johnny Mac, you back for a Tuesday uh, get together? Yeah, Mark Barzetta tomorrow. Uh, so have we'll we ever had Barzy on the show? Have not had Barzy on the show yet. Yeah, uh, shame on us for that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, he's got his own show. So I thought, uh, but he pre tapes that a lot. So. I thought he was on the air at the same time as us, so I didn't bother. So, and I said, well, let's see if Barzy can do it. He can the host of so our welcome. Eagles uh, pregame show, postgame show on Sundays during the season here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mark Farzetta will join us tomorrow, so you want to tune in for that. Uh, we thank everybody for streaming in tomorrow. Johnny Mack, we're going to do it again in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.